Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope Community Church. We're glad that you're joining us online today. Uh, unfortunately, due to the uh, rising numbers of the, of the coronavirus and all that stuff, we've had to switch our services to online only for the remainder of the year, which means we're all in the same boat. Uh, we're all worshiping together uh, online, maybe through the app. If you got the email, there's a new app you can try, or uh, on our website or YouTube or Facebook or wherever you happen to be watching. I hope that at some point during the service, you will uh, you'll run over to livinghope.info slash connect. Let us know you're with us or chime in in the comments. Um, maybe you just want to exchange this greeting. The Lord be with you. And also, also with you. you. And with you. Yeah, there, there are a few of us here in the room. So um, let's bow our heads and let's pray as we begin. God, we are so grateful to you uh, for your, your presence with us, for the story that we have to, to tell, to sing, uh, that you are with us that you are not far from us when we are in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty. Uh, God, instead, we have, we have victory, we have joy, we have peace because we know that you're at work, God. Thank you. Thank you that even right now, when we are going through stuff that uh, none of us would have chosen, uh, God, we know that you are with us. We know that you are not absent from us. You give us this, uh, this assurance, this blessed assurance that, that we belong to you and that you have given yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ. As, uh, as we begin to look forward to Christmas already, uh, we can't wait to get there, God. As we begin already to look forward to Christmas, we are reminded that Jesus is known as Emmanuel, God with us. That you have given yourself to us in Jesus Christ. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Help us. Help us to embrace you and to allow ourselves to be embraced by you, God, as our loving Heavenly Father who wants to carry us through this difficult time, who wants to give us the strength that we need uh, to endure, who wants to give us the, the wisdom to make wise choices as we navigate holidays, as, uh, as you give us uh, peace in place of anxiety or fear, as you give us your grace, as you give us your love. Thank you, God. Thank you today for the opportunity to connect with you, uh, to, to gather virtually with our church family, with brothers and sisters who are with us on the journey. Thank you, God, that none of us are in this alone. And you know that there are many of us who are going to feel very alone during this time. We're going to feel very isolated. We're going to feel very disconnected. And in those moments, God, I pray that uh, that, that might be the exact moment that you nudge one of the other sons and daughters of yours to give us a call, to reach out. Or maybe, God, you give us the strength, the wisdom, the courage to reach out to someone else when we are feeling that way, and just to be honest about how we're feeling, to be honest about our need for connection so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be strengthened, so that your grace can flow into our lives through the rest of our family, the rest of our brothers and sisters in your family, God. Thank you. Thank you for the love that you show us. Thank you for the songs we get to sing. Thank you for the scriptures we get to read. Thank you, God, for your presence with us right now, wherever we might be. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. And also so with you. you. 
<laughs> thank you. I, I'm assuming that you all gave that back. I know you guys did. Thank you. Peace to all of you. And thank you uh, for leading us this morning musically. Uh, I know this was not the easiest morning for you guys to be here and to do this, but I'm thankful that you, uh, uh, that you did anyway. Thank you for sharing your gifts with all of us. Um, the, um, there was a part of me that wanted to ask you ahead of time, Crystal, and I just forgot. I, mean, I know Crystal uh, works as a nurse, uh, often working with, I mean, directly with COVID patients. I mean, that's your job. And uh, I know you've been sharing on Facebook, this just is not good. And uh, so we're praying for you and we're praying for others in our church who work in the healthcare field and all the folks who are having to be out working all the time. I just, one of the things, um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to share information because I know that you probably can't do that, but I wanted you to know, Crystal, that we are praying for you, especially uh, as you're working with all the folks that are dealing with this. Is there, is there anything you wanted to say before you walk away? You can if you want. I do. Okay. Um, I want to thank you for all of the prayers that you guys have sent. We, have all, myself and all of the other nurses that work up on the COVID unit and the other healthcare providers that are involved, like respiratory and the AIDS and, and all the other people that lab and all the other people that are involved, you know, we're hanging on those prayers. We're hanging on the cards that you've sent. We're hanging on those little tokens of appreciation those thank yous that we get, you know, it, it seems like so often the world is going like, you know, this mask is uncomfortable and, and you know, we're, we're drowning up here and we just, we just, all we want is for you to not become a patient. We don't want to see you making those hard phone calls to family, you know, and so I can't thank you. We can't thank you enough for all the support that you've given us. It, it matters. It so matters. So thank you. Well, thank you, Crystal, for the work that you do and for giving us a little bit of insight into what that's like for you. Um, could we just, before we continue with the service, could we just real quick, let's, let's pray for Crystal and for all of our, our healthcare workers. God, uh, we do pray that you will strengthen and guide and protect all of those who are working right now in, in this healthcare field, uh, who are especially working directly with patients who are struggling with this uh, COVID-19 uh, it's an ugly thing, God, and they don't like seeing it any more than people like experiencing it. Would you please uh, help them to be able to have the energy they need and uh, to continue to, to compassionately care for the people who land in our hospitals, um, in our urgent cares, all the places where they are receiving treatment. God, please continue to guide those who are developing treatments and vaccines. Uh, God, we look forward to having more effective ways to, uh, to tackle this thing. And um, but God, today especially, just want to lift up uh, Crystal and the others in our church and all those in our community and, I mean, around the world today who are uh, weighed down by this responsibility. Please, God, would they know your strength? Would they know your presence? Would they know your grace? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Crystal. Um, I should have told you that ahead of time. It was, it was kind of floating <laughs> through my head. I was like, oh, we'll have Crystal here, and I know there's stuff going on, and I should ask. So, all right, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to move a couple of your things here. All right. Um, so uh, by way of announcements, uh, we are doing church online only through the end of the year. That was a tough call that uh, the church board and I felt like we needed to make uh, this last week as we were um, uh, hearing the governor's um, announcements and then getting his guidance. And, and yes, technically churches are exempt, uh, but that doesn't mean churches can just do anything that they want. There's a large church in our area had planned a large gathering for this for today, actually. And uh, the health department said, nope, sorry, you can't do that. It's, it's too large. It's going to be too difficult to try to, uh, to maintain safety precautions. And, um, 
And so we felt like the safest, the best way, the wisest way forward for us was to just say, okay, now through the end of the year, we will just do church online only. And uh, I know that every year Christmas Eve, we tend to have a, we do a candlelight Christmas Eve service. We will still do that. We're, we'll figure out between now and then if we can have people in the room or not. Uh, I hope we can. I hope that, uh, that by that point, the numbers will stabilize or can start moving in a better direction. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but we definitely will be having a Christmas Eve service, a candlelight Christmas Eve service, uh, December 24th. And, um, and we'll continue to worship together every Sunday morning. Uh, I hope that you'll find your way to that uh, Digital Connect card uh, to let us know that you're with us today. Or again, you can drop a note in the comments uh, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or someplace that has comments. Um, we're, we're experimenting with a new app that if you got our email this last week, you got a link to how to download that and how to try that. Let us know how that works for you, please. And if you're not getting our emails, please let us know that too. Say, hey, I didn't get that email. I didn't get that link uh, so that we can make sure we've got your information and we can get that to you. Uh, if you want to give today, of course, you can, you can do that. Livinghope.info slash give takes you right to that giving page. And, um, and speaking of giving, I should let you know... Um, well, you can still give to both the Habitat for Humanity Project and to the, our, our sister church in Hammond, the Mission Church. The Habitat Project, we are way over our goal. We had, our goal was to raise $6,000 by the end of the year, and as of a couple of days ago, it was like 6000 I forget, 900 and something uh, that had come in. And I've had a couple of you ask, like, well, can I continue to give to that? And, and Sure, we'll leave it open through the end of the year, okay? If you want to keep giving to this Habitat project, I mean, that's, that's good work that's going toward. It won't all get matched uh, like, like the 6,000 will. Uh, we've had somebody commit to ma match that first 6,000, but still, those dollars will be used to help a family in our community uh, have a home, have stable housing, uh, somebody who um, uh, did not have stable housing before. So if you want to learn more about Habitat for Humanity, there's all kinds of things you can read about that. And we'll try to get some more information to you in the, in the days and weeks to come, especially as we cross into next year and hopefully can have some of those opportunities for us to swing hammers and, and run saws and all the other things to help actually build the house. Um, let see, did I have anything else in there I was supposed to talk about? Or is that it? That's it? Okay, good. Then we can get into today's message. Uh, we are continuing this uh, series on, uh, on gratitude and being grateful, being a people who can be thankful in all circumstances. I should probably have kept one of these stands so I could use it. There we go. And uh, kind of our, our key verse for the month of November has been this one from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And uh, I was encouraging you last week to try memorizing that. I hope that you've begun to do that. All it takes to memorize a verse or memorize anything, really, is, uh, is to repeat it enough times, and it will stick in your brain. And then you have to review it, you know, and like, like sometime later in the end of the year, you'll have to, like, read it again and make sure you still remember it. And, and, um, but, yeah, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That in all circumstances is the part we're focusing in on today. Um, because we know there are times where it is extremely difficult to give thanks. As, as I was preparing for this Sunday and we were making that decision that we were going to have to go online only, I knew that as we're contemplating it, that there were going to be some of you who normally would be sitting here in this room who would be very frustrated, very disappointed, uh, because you, each and every week you've been here and you depend on that connection. Being able, even if you can't give people hugs, you can at least see them. You can at least talk with them a little bit. Uh, even though you can't sit down and have a long conversation over snacks and all of that, you can at least chat with them a little. And it, it hurts me too, all right? None of us love doing this. The circumstances we find ourselves in today are not ones that, are ones that none of us would have chosen, right? I mean, 
Um, Crystal has chosen to work as a nurse, but not in the conditions she's in today. Teachers love kids and love to teach them, but not in the conditions they're, they're doing now. Uh, pastors all over the place, none of us decided we wanted to be like video engineers or people, you know. Uh, I love getting to, to talk with and shake hands with and, and hug all of you, and uh, I don't get to do any of that right now. None of us would have chosen uh, to go through this time with this disease, uh, especially those who are uh, experiencing it themselves right now or who have lost loved ones to it. None of us love to go through fractious political seasons uh, or uh, to live in a society that's dealing with all the systemic racial issues that ours continues to deal with. None of these circumstances are ones that we all just love and enjoy, but in the midst of all circumstances, we can continue to give thanks because, and this is today, this is where we're going, all right? We can give thanks in all circumstances because God is at work in all circumstances. Because no matter what situation we find ourselves in, God is there, God is at work, God is bringing something good. God doesn't just sit back and say, oh man, that's a tough one. You guys gotta have to figure that one out. No, whatever we find ourselves in, God is with us at work, to do for good. Uh, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. If, if those of you have memorized verses along the way in your, uh, in your spiritual journey, this is one you may have memorized. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, in all circumstances, no matter what happens, God is working for good. All right? And we believe that to be true. Uh, not, it's not just some um, statement of faith for us. This is something that many of us have experienced. We can point to circumstances in our own lives. We can say, man, that season of my life was terrible. I hated every second of it, but you know what? God brought good out of it. Sometimes it's God bringing something good for us. He grows us in a way that we wouldn't have grown otherwise. Sometimes it's for the people around us that God brings good to them. We struggled, but because God was with us and we were able to be strong, we were able to be faithful, God brought good out of that for the people around us. Uh, sometimes God uses those circumstances just to get us into a place that we might not have otherwise gotten. We looked at that, was that a couple weeks ago, as we were talking about uh, the Apostle Paul and trying to get to, uh, to Asia, and God kept stopping them and sends them a dream, and they eventually get to Macedonia, and they end up in, in Philippi. And, you know, these were circumstances Paul didn't choose, but they got Paul where he needed to be. And sometimes our circumstances are not of our choosing, but they, but they, they serve God's greater purposes. They get us where we need to go. Uh, sometimes, I mean, just, I'm not going to pretend that, um, I mean, let me see, how do I say this? There are some folks that will look then at everything and say, okay, so God did that then. So God made that happen. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that to you today. I don't think the Bible consistently says that kind of, there are places in the Bible that seem to imply that. There are other places that say, nope, that was exactly what God didn't want, but God brought good out of it anyway. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, uh, uh, that Satan is one of the most frustrated creatures uh, of all that God has created. Because every time he works some particularly evil bit of mischief, God manages to, to twist it around and bring something good out of it. And that's, that's kind of the view that I have most of the time, is that, that in all circumstances, God is at work for our good. And so our job is to look for that, to give thanks to God for his presence, and to, and to let that shape our thinking and our living to realize that we can walk through life with confidence, knowing like, okay, God, I know you're with me. These circumstances are terrible, but I'm going to walk through them with confidence because I know I'm trusting you. I have this blessed assurance that we just sang about that you are not going to leave me. You're not going to, um, that you have something good. You're going to work through this. And so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. And we're going to discover what that good thing is down the road. 
Now, there's several examples of this in Scripture. Uh, one is, is the Apostle Paul. We've been looking at uh, his letters quite a bit. I mean, both of those Scriptures we've looked at so far are things that he said to churches, early Christians who were going through struggles. And uh, in that letter to the Philippians, that place he ended up as God changed his path uh, that we can read about in Acts chapter 16, talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, in his letter to the Philippians, he says to him, uh, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul is a servant of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, of what God is doing in Jesus Christ, bringing his rule and his reign, the kingdom of God, transforming people's lives, setting people free from sin. That's Paul's life. That's his mission. And he is currently in prison. He's in chains. And Paul is saying to these Philippians who are concerned about him, he's saying, look, look, I want you to know what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. God has brought good out of this. He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. They all know why I'm here. You know, the, the good news of Jesus is getting out. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He's saying there are people that are being even more courageous. They're being encouraged to share the good news of Jesus because I'm in chains. Now, I don't know how that works exactly. If, uh, if, my, if a fellow pastor of mine or something, if a friend of mine got locked up and put in jail for sharing Christ, I'm, in my head I'm thinking I would be a little scared it might happen to me. But, um, but apparently in Paul's case he's saying, no, they're being emboldened. And maybe it's because they're seeing the way Paul is going through it and the way that God is sustaining him. I'm not sure. Uh, but they're seeing what's happening to Paul and they're saying, or maybe they're just saying, look, Paul can't get out there and travel right now. I've got to get out there and travel. And so they're being encouraged, emboldened to get out there and do it. Now, in, in the verses that follow, he says, yeah, but not everybody's doing this for good motives. Some people are just out there. They're telling people about Jesus, but they're, they're doing it as an opportunity to, like, share this story about me, too. Like, you know, well, Paul's not that great. You know, he's locked up. But we're out here. You know, and they're kind of using this as an opportunity to puff themselves up a little bit. And Paul's like, what's it matter? I think I put that in your, in your uh, notes there. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether for false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You know, that verse that was kind of our key verse starts with rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That rejoice part can be difficult. Paul says, look, I'm rejoicing. I'm stuck in prison. People are out there kind of telling bad stories about me, but you know what? Christ is being preached. The good news is getting to more and more people. And so I'm rejoicing. He says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says, I'm confident that God is going to bring me through this, and so I'm going to keep rejoicing. Now, in the verses that follow, he kind of says, yeah, I don't really know for sure. Maybe I'll end up dying and going on to be you know, with my Lord and Savior Jesus right now, you know, sooner, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up, I think God still has work for me to do, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to get me through this alive, and I'll see you again. And then in verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm. He cares about them and he wants to know that they're doing well. In chapter four, he calls them his joy and his crown, uh, these Philippian Christians. And, um, and he's encouraging them. You know, whatever happens to me, whatever I go through, whatever happens to you, whatever you go through, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live the way God would have you to live. And as our key verse says, God's will for you in Christ Jesus is to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. So Paul is an example of this over and over again. I mean, he goes through stuff over and over, and he continues to trust God, to follow God, and even to give thanks and to rejoice in the midst of it and to see ways that God is bringing good out of his circumstances. Uh, another example that has been uh, floating through my head this past week is Joseph. 
not Joseph and Mary, the you know, parents of Jesus that we're going to all set up in our nativity scenes or whatever, but Joseph from Genesis. Uh, from Genesis, his story starts uh, right around chapter 37. Uh, that's where his story really kind of gets underway. And it goes all the way to the end of Genesis in chapter 50. Um, so it's a little bit long. We're not going to obviously go through all of it. But uh, some of you know Joseph's story, you know, the amazing Technicolor dream coat and all of that good stuff. Uh, Joseph, uh, his story starts out in Genesis 37. I'll, I'll read this part to you here. It says, now Israel, or Jacob, God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and that's where Israel gets its name, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the tribes of Israel, are his kids and their descendants. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him, you know, this technicolor dream coat. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, let me ask you real quick. Did Joseph choose his circumstances there? Did he choose to be born to Jacob or Israel in his old age? No. We don't have any control about when we're born or how old our parents are or any of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, was, was Israel making a wise choice in loving Joseph more than his other kids and making that known? No, that's not a good idea, right? I mean, any parents out there are probably saying, no, 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 no. You know, we can't, we, can, we, we love all our kids equally. You might have your favorites, but you don't let them know, right? I mean, this is just, you, you make sure you love all your kids equally. And, um, and Israel's not doing this. Did Joseph choose that? No, no. Now, if you keep reading his story, he contributes to his own problem by sharing some of the dreams that God had given him about how he's going to be great one day. And his brothers and his, his, brothers and his parents actually, uh, in one of his dreams, like all bowing down to him. And, and they're like, yeah, no, we hated you already. Now we really don't like you, you know. And so... Uh, when one day, when little 17-year-old Joseph, the Bible says he's about 17 at this time, uh, his dad sends him out to check on his brothers. And it says, Joseph went after his brothers, found them near Dothan, uh, but they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. So things have gone from bad to worse for Joseph. They're plotting to kill him. Then at some point, his brothers are like, uh, well, I, I think I put this here. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. They see some, some slave traders coming by, and they're like, oh, let's sell him to these guys. Then we'll make some money at least. And, uh, and that's what they do. They sell their brother into slavery for like 20 pieces of silver. They cover up the deed by taking his fancy coat and smearing it in some animal blood and taking it back to dad. It's like, hey, look what we found. Isn't this Joseph's coat? And his dad's like, oh, he must have died. And, they, and his dad thinks he's dead for years, for decades. Well, meanwhile, Joseph, it says, uh, I, we don't know the Ishmaelites, the Midianites. The story uses both of these terms. I don't know if he got handed off at some point, but it says, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So you got Pharaoh, king of all Egypt, the captain of his guard, Potiphar, becomes the owner, the master of Joseph. In this far-off land of Egypt, where Joseph probably never would have chosen to go, he finds himself enslaved. And he lives there as a servant, as a slave in Potiphar's household for years. We don't know exactly how long. The next age marker we have is at age 30, much later in his story. Uh, so for some period of time, he lives as a servant, as a slave. Now, he does well because it says God continues to favor him. Uh, evidently, Joseph trusts God in the midst of all of this, and God blesses him in return, and Potiphar recognizes this. Like, man, this guy's got it together. And so Joseph rises in the ranks among in the household servants until he's, like, in charge of everything that Potiphar owns. Potiphar, it says, like, doesn't have to worry about anything about, except the food he wants to put in his mouth. And so maybe Potiphar put on a few pounds along the way. I'm not sure. But it says that Joseph was a fine, well-built man, and that Potiphar's wife noticed this, and she keeps coming on to Joseph and saying, hey, hey, come on, come to bed with me. And Joseph keeps saying no. One day, um, 
she, uh, she, Joseph comes in to the house and realizes, where are all the other servants? And there's like nobody here. And then Potiphar's wife comes out. She's planned this apparently, grabs a hold of his cloak and says, come on, come to bed with me. And he slips out of his coat so he can run away, and, uh, or out of his cloak. And she, you know, devises a plan. When her husband gets home, she, she puts on the tears and says, you know, this slave of yours tried to, tried to rape me. Look, he left his coat behind, um, but I managed to chase him off. Potiphar, of course, gets ticked and throws Joseph in, in prison, um, in the slammer. Joseph lives for we don't know how long now in prison. And while he's in prison, uh, again, was this something he chose? No, he was doing the right thing. He was resisting the temptations that his master's wife was, was uh, laying out in front of him. He resists and he suffers for it. He's in prison. And while he's there, he meets a couple of pharaohs, uh, royal, like, uh, Courtesan? I don't know what the right word is. They worked in Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's court. One was a cupbearer, the guy who would bring the, the wine, the goblet, to Pharaoh to drink, uh, which means he was like the last guy probably had to sip it to make sure he didn't, you know, wasn't poisoned and then hands it off to Pharaoh that it's safe. And the baker, the guy who bakes his food. So these would be people that Pharaoh would have to trust, right? So the cupbearer and the baker, and they both, for some reason, have fallen out of favor with Pharaoh and they're in prison, and they both have dreams, Weird dreams. And Joseph uh, is able to interpret them. God gives him insight and says to him, uh, you can read this if you want to. It's kind of weird. Um, says to the cupbearer, basically, you're going to be restored to your position. Says to the baker, eh, you're not. You're going to die. You're going to be executed. And sure enough, this is what happens. Like three days later, it's Pharaoh's birthday, and the baker is executed, and the cupbearer is restored to his position. And Joseph had said to the cupbearer, like, look, when God does this, when, when you get restored to your position, would you remember me? Would you, out of kindness, would you mention me to Pharaoh? I, I was sold into slavery. I shouldn't be here. I've done nothing wrong that deserves me getting put in this dungeon. But it says that he was forgotten. The, the cupbearer forgot until Pharaoh has funny dreams. And the cupbearer bringing him the wine and, and Pharaoh's like, oh, I don't know what to make out of these dreams. He's like, Oh, yeah, I was supposed to tell you. I forgot. There's a guy in your prison who can do dreams. He, God gives him insight into this. And sure enough, Joseph gives Pharaoh in, gives, Joseph gets insight from God, describes to Pharaoh what his dreams are trying to say, that there are going to be seven years of bumper crops, seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of severe famine. And so he says to Pharaoh, here's what I would do. I mean, you're not asking, but here's, here's what I would do if I were in your shoes. During those seven years of plenty... Instead of just blowing all that, you know, I would, I would store that up. I would store all that surplus cause, so then during the seven years of famine, there'll be surplus grain to feed your people so your people don't starve. Pharaoh says, that's an excellent idea, and I'm going to put you in charge. And Joseph becomes like second in command of all of Egypt. Finally, they get through those seven years of plenty. Times are good. They're two years into the famine where times are terrible and there's no food anywhere. And this isn't just affecting Egypt, it's affecting the whole region, including Joseph's brothers and his father. And those brothers end up coming down to Egypt. They'd heard there's food in Egypt that they could buy. They come down there and Joseph, much older now, he's probably, we think, around 39. We know he was 30 years old when he was made, uh, when he was elevated by Pharaoh. All right? 17, the last time they saw him, scrawny little kid, uh, bragging about how he was going to be great someday. Now here's this nearly 40-year-old guy uh, dressed all in Egyptian garb, you know, talking like, walking like an Egyptian, talking like an Egyptian, um, all of that. And uh, they don't recognize him. And Joseph puts them through all kinds of grief before finally he, he helps them. He saves their lives, and finally he lets them know who he is. And here's one of the things that he says to them. In Genesis 45, 
He says, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now, Joseph, did he know this early on when his brothers were dropping him in a pit and selling him into slavery? No, he doesn't know at that point, like, yeah, one day I'm going to save their lives. No, he just knows he's being sold into slavery. Does he know this when he's being falsely accused of, of rape by his master's wife and thrown into? No, he doesn't know this is happening. But now, <laughs> decades later, he sees that God has been at work this entire time through all the ups and downs of his life so that he could help save the lives of so many in Egypt and especially to save the lives of his own brothers who sold him into slavery way back when. Save the life of his own father. Eventually they all move back. They, he moves the whole family to Egypt uh, because, you know, he's a powerful man in Egypt and that's a good place for them to be, which sets the stage for the book of Exodus and their enslavement and what God does through Moses setting them free and all the rest of the story. This is like the prequel to all of that. But after his father dies and his brothers are worried like, uh-oh, now that dad's gone, now Joseph's going to let us have it. He calls them in again and he, sa- and he reassures them in Genesis 50. And here's one of the things he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God was able to work through even the hatred and the evil of his brothers to get Joseph where Joseph needed to be so that as Joseph trusted God and looked to God for wisdom and for insight, God was able to work through Joseph's life to accomplish this great task, to accomplish this great feat of saving his family, of saving the nation of Egypt. I can't imagine what it would have been like if Joseph, uh, on the way down to Egypt in the, in the back of whatever they carried him in on those, the slave traders, as a 17-year-old, if he had said, well, this is garbage. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not you know, trusting this God anymore. I've trusted him my whole life as a little kid, and now look what's happened to me. Forget this. If he had turned his back on God, I can't imagine. But because he trusted God, through it all. He was able at the end to look back and say, okay, God, you have done an amazing thing. You have indeed been at work. It might not be easy for us right now to find things to be thankful to God for, but we can be thankful in all circumstances because God is at work in all circumstances. God is at work in your circumstances, whatever they might be, whatever difficulties you might be facing right now that have you questioning, does God even know that I'm here? Has God forgotten me? Is there even a God out there? I don't know. Listen, God is at work for good. He can work through your life, through mine, through even through whatever circumstances we might face to bring good about for us and for the people around us. There's one more example uh, I wanted to give before we wrap this up, and that's all of us who struggle. Uh, James chapter 1 is another little passage that's been in my head uh, these past few weeks. Uh, we're in verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy. Again, rejoice, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It may be that by persevering through our present circumstances, 
by continuing to trust God, by continuing to endure and be faithful. It may be that God is using this to grow you up in some way, to grow me up in some way, to help us to, to grow in some way that we would never have grown otherwise. That if life was always easy and nice, we could have just stayed immature. But because we face challenges, we are forced to, to, to grow in some ways that we might not have grown otherwise. I mean, this, this happens all the time in life, you know, from the time that we're infants. You know, it's the struggle to, to keep our heads up that strengthens those neck muscles so that we can stand, you know, so we can keep our heads up. It's the struggle to stand. You know, it's every, every bit of struggle. Anyone who's an athlete today understands, you know, you push against difficulty, and that's what helps you to become stronger. As we endure, as we persevere, we can, we can give thanks to God. We can even rejoice because as we persevere, it is, it is doing a work in us. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God doesn't want you to miss out on any of who he created you to be. And part of who he created you to be only will come out as, as you endure, as you persevere, as you push on through difficult circumstances, as you trust him to carry you through. Fortunately, we know that God is with us. We know God is, is going to be at work. Back in that letter to the Philippians, in chapter 1, earlier than the part that we read earlier, in verse 6, the Apostle Paul says to these Philippians, I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. He says, by the time Christ returns, he will have finished this work. God is not giving up on you. God loves you. He is with you. And he is going to make sure that whatever you go through, he is going to bring good out of it for you, for the people around you, for everyone. Our job is to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads and let's pray before we celebrate communion together. God, we thank you. Thank you for being with us. You know, God, that right now we are going through circumstances that are no fun, that we do not enjoy. Uh, but God, you are faithful and you are at work. God, we pray that you'd help us to see the work that you're doing. That we might be able to see, like, like Paul did, right? While he's in prison, he is able to see some of the good that you are bringing out already from what he's going through. God, we pray the same thing for us. That you would let us see some of the good that's being done. Some of the growth taking place in our own lives. Some of the ways that you're able to work through us uh, in, to, to bless and encourage others. God, we pray that you would help us to be able to see some of the good that is being done. That you are doing in the midst of our circumstances. But even if we don't even if we only get to look back later. God, would you give us that assurance today that you are with us, that you are at work, that you have not lost track of us, that this is not a surprise to you, that, that you are at work already bringing good and that we get to be a part of that. If we continue to trust you, if we continue to give you thanks, if we continue to turn to you continually in prayer. So that's what we're doing right now, God. We're praying. We're coming to the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who is with us, and we're asking for your help. Would you help us? Would you help us to trust you in the midst of difficult circumstances? Would you give us the strength that we need, the peace that we need? Would you grant us healing, protection, 
favor, faith. God, would you continue to be the good and compassionate and gracious God that we read about in scriptures and that we've experienced in our own lives? Would you help us to know your gracious presence with us in the midst of our trials so that we can persevere, so that we can become mature and complete the people you know we can be? Thank you, God. Thank you that today we have the opportunity to celebrate together this um, sacrament of communion. In just, a, in just a few minutes, we're going to be taking bread and juice and offering them to you. God, as we do this, we pray that your Holy Spirit would meet us here, that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. What better example, God, of you bringing good out of terrible evil? out of awful circumstances. We, in our sinfulness, crucified our Lord and Savior. We rejected you, Jesus, and we put you to death on a cross. But from the cross, you asked, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And by your faithful death and resurrection you broke the power of sin and death you set us free us who had been prisoners of sin prisoners to death and fear of death now we have been set free now we have your life flowing through us now we have this hope this living hope the bible describes thank you god thank you for setting us Free. Thank you for loving ordinary, messed up people like us. Today, we offer ourselves to you. We open our hearts, our minds, our lives. We just, we're just honest with you, God. We need your help. Some of us, we've been coming to you, uh, receiving your grace and your forgiveness and your strength and the power of your Holy Spirit for, for decades now. For some of us, this might be the very first time that we are reaching out to you, God, and saying, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I have been living for me and not for you. I have been living in fear. I've been living weighed down by guilt and shame, imprisoned to to a a way of life that was destroying me and the people around me. And, And God, I need to be set free. God, thank you that as we come to you, you are gracious, you are good, and you do set us free. You do give us life. You give us a fresh start. We can be born again like a a brand new life that you give us. Thank you, God. Help us to experience that grace and that joy and that freedom and that peace today. As we offer ourselves to you, would you fill us with the spirit of Christ that we might be transformed, that we might live in this world differently as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters reflecting your grace and your goodness to the world. Thank you, God. We pray all this confident in your love because you've shown it to us in Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We uh, prepare to receive communion. If, um, if you are wanting to celebrate with us, I hope that you've been able to gather some, uh, some bread and juice or the closest equivalent you have to those uh, there with you. Um, uh, if so, then you're going to be welcome to participate with us here in just a moment. Thank you, God, for displaying this love so concretely in the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you again for the opportunity we have to celebrate that in the celebration of communion today. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, headed to the cross, he took bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Let's eat. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks. I forgot to say that about the bread. He did. He gave thanks. Even in the midst of uh, this trying time, he gave thanks. He gave it to them and he said, take this drink. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. You drink this, do it in remembrance of me. So let's take and drink. We do remember, Lord Jesus, your sacrifice on our behalf. And we give you thanks for this love that now fills our hearts. This love that you have for us and all those around us. Would you help us to, to demonstrate our faith in you by the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for all of our neighbors? Thank you, God. I'm confident that you will do this. <laughs> You're the one who began this work in us. I'm confident that you will uh, complete it. Thank you, God. We pray all this with faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for worshiping with us today virtually. Uh, this looks like this is what we're going to be doing for the next few Sundays. So we hope that you'll join us either live next Sunday at 9 or maybe you're watching it later. Uh, you found us on YouTube or Facebook or something like that. Uh, but right now I want to leave you with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.